everybody. Uh, oh boy. Oh yeah, it's uh, been a long while since we last did a show like this on the NRE WrestleVerse podcast. But um, personal life, responsibilities, and all that stuff happened. And then I got burnt out making two podcasts for a little bit. And I was trying to figure out how to work that out. Uh, that didn't work out so well, so I took an extended break from the YouTube stuff, and I focused on my NRC podcast channel, had to focus on that a little bit, just to catch up on the lot stuff, then I got burned out on that, then work happened, and then some dramas happened, and I don't want to talk about that, because if I do, I'll go crazy again, and I don't want to talk about my personal life on the internet when it comes to work matters, uh, but uh, more or less, uh, I'm hoping things are improving for myself on that. Uh, we'll see. Oh, uh, God. But, yeah, there was plans to do an episode 9 of this podcast, and then all that stuff happened. And I was going to talk about some stuff, but nat- but naturally, months have passed. In fact, the last episode was back on May, the official episode, not those bonus contents I had that were using my uh, footage from what I've done for the, ep- for the shows. But, um, yeah, I'm back now, and... A lot of stuff has happened in this week, and this is only the first half of the week that I'm covering, since to cover 50 50 stories would be crazy. I already do that enough as is with the the Collective Podcast. But um, there was an interesting story to start this off, and when I heard this, I was like, okay, I gotta tell you, I kind of sat on this for a huge moment. I have not made a tweet about it because I just didn't know how to respond to hearing this, but... We have an update from Fightful Select, more specifically uh, Fightful asking about the whole situation regarding Roman Reigns' title run, and he is now the fourth longest world champion in in WWE history with a victory over his cousin Jey Uso at SummerSlam 2023. His run will be going on for even longer, and we don't know what his future holds. Many have actually wondered, and Fightful Select have provided some information on this, including Sean Rossap, and... Yeah, here's what came out. The report stated that Cody Rhodes, Sanjay, and Jey Uso were never under serious consideration to dethrone Roman, with the results being known a fair amount of time in advance. Fightful would go on to directly ask a WWE source about when Roman Reigns would be losing. So they, they said this, when we bluntly asked when Roman Reigns will le- lose the WWE Undisputed World Championship, they were given this end. They, they were given this response. Whatever Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman say, effing ends. So in the event that, d- that Roman Reigns loses the world title, it was said that the two would have a heavy input as to who would it that be, whether it would be tonight or a year or two down from the line, and they are constantly looking at every possibility when they think it's the very best thing for business, they'll know when to switch it up, do it right, and really make someone doing it the higher up indicated. I'm going to be real, I-, I sat on this for a little bit because I was like, You're, you-, you gave Roman Reigns that level of power. I mean, I'm all for wrestlers having creative freedom, but given creative control like that is kind of a bad idea nowadays. Ain't that right, Hulk Hogan and John Cena who bury the Nexus because stupid petty reasons that make no sense to this day. But, uh, yeah, when I heard this, I I sat on this because I was like, okay, this has to be, like, there has to be more to this, right? It can't just be... 
put Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman have such a massive influence in the booking department that they could dictate that, right? They, they don't really have that power, right? And nothing else contradicts that vibe because that's the only way I could take from that. And I sat on this and I'm thinking, so you don't have anyone in mind. No one in mind is capable of ending the reign. So Cody Rhodes was never considered. Sami Zayn was never considered. Jey Uso was never considered. And despite Cody Rhodes, Sami and Jay, well, mostly Cody and Sami, rebounding as best they can from the whole thing. Cody Rhodes the most beneficial because he actually got a feud with Brock Lesnar that while never giving us an, ex an explanation as to why this feud even happened, which grinds my gears. Sami Zayn at least made a Vander Mania with the tag titles, but like, it, was it just that hard to just separate the titles, let Roman keep the universal belt and then let Cody or Sami take the world belt? Was that really hard to do? Like the option was there. You've done it before. Triple H worked in that time frame when that happened, when that was a thing. But now it's now you've just basically now this the way this war is worded. It sounds like Roman Reigns has the title basically in a firm grip where he will dictate where it has to. Like if the if the rest of everyone agrees to it, but Roman and Paul Heyman say no, we don't want to. Then they're like, okay, we'll just let you do whatever you want then, and it's like. That worries me because if Roman develops some ego ego level like Hogan and Cena had done, and yes, I'm still saying Cena had an ego because <laughs> the Nexus, and as much as he likes to apologize for that, he never really went out of his way to fix it. He just made it worse. Like he broke it and like he could have fixed it, but he decided, nah, I'll just break it more. So yeah, it, it was it was uh, a thing for a time. So yeah, Roman is currently holding the title in a way that I don't agree with. And if this was just Vince and Triple H's mindset that they gotta keep the title for as long as they can, then fine, I'll complain, but at least it would be management's fault. But no, it's Roman and Paul Heyman having the say now. So anyways, Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes had the ending of their feud, which started from no explanation ever given to further no explanation ever given. It finally ended to a definitive end at SummerSlam, with Brock Lesnar shocking everyone by raising Cody Rhodes' hand in victory and respect. And I was confused by that because I was like, does that usually happen? No way, that's never happened. And then it turns out that, um, uh, yeah, so it came out that, um, Brock Lesnar had rose Cody, Cody Rhodes' hand up on his own intentions and not because he was told to in storyline. So Lesnar was shooting from the hip in this moment, so he was respecting Cody Rhodes genuinely. And then he also removed his gloves after suffering the defeat, and this would suggest Brock Lesnar would be gone for some time. Um, but Dave Meltzer, so take it with, what you get, with a grain of salt, as, as always. Uh, Brock Lesnar is not done for those who thought that perhaps taking his gloves off was the sign of something. And they said, no, he's advertised for Fastlane, so I don't know if that's when he returns. He's not going to be gone for a little while, well, is what I was told, but not a long while, whatever that means. 
So it's really more like uh, maybe he's gone for a little bit, maybe he's not. He'll probably be back at Rumble or Mania season. Yeah, there's been push and pull on that front. But also on the subject of SummerSlam, Ronda Rousey. She's gone apparently for the time being and expected to go on a hiatus after her loss to Shayna Baszler. And heading into the field, the, heading into the show, it looked like it was going to be a dark horse match of the night potentially, especially since they're going to fight in an MMA match. And yeah, it didn't go as well as everyone had hoped. And. According to Dave Meltzer, Ronda and Shayna wasn't the best match, and there were issues between the creative and them as far as how it was going to go. And you don't have knockouts in an MMA fight and do 10 counts or whatever, but it's like you have some people stuck in one mentality of combat and others in another, and it kind of, I think it's the kind of hurt, kind of hurt that. And I'm just like, okay, why not? They could have made it a fight pit match. That would have made it more sense. But here's my honest opinion. Since WWE is going to be working with Endeavor as part of the big merger happening, which is now set to close in September, and cuts are expected, and Triple H is no longer on the board, so tragedy on all fronts. Uh, here's my response. Why not just contact Endeavor to bring in an agent to help produce the match? Like, I don't know if that's against the rules of, of a merger, but like... In process, but like that—that that I would have done. I, though, of course, I don't do the business world. I do the creative world and more side mindset. But yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> good news for everyone who was rooting for Eo Sky or Eo Shirai, as she's more popularly known as. But they needed to change her name because Vince had uh, leftover ideas before he was forced out. The first time tragically sadly he will not be out until he's probably dead and i do not like to wish for that honestly i wish he was arrested and put in cuffs but that's a different subject so eo sky won the woman's title at SummerSlam, and yeah charlotte flair oscar and bianca Belair had their match bianca won because of course and she panned Asuka because, of course, Charlotte can't take the fall, even though she's clearly becoming more and more disillusioned as the days go by, whatever since Ric Flair's um, behavior got more erratic, and she was sort of on the receiving end a little bit of that reception. And I wouldn't be surprised if that caused a shift in her personality backstage-wise. Like, this is just me throwing conjecture out there, but that's just my opinion. Uh, Io Sky had won the Money in the Bank contract on July 1st, cashed it in within 45 seconds, and won it within a 45 second match. And she celebrated with Dakota Kai they, and B B Bailey to go ahead and, you know, celebrate this moment. And it came out also on that, it was planned for some time. And hours before SummerSlam aired, Dakota Kai was actually contacted to arrive during the show. And she revealed this on Twitch. So, yeah, it was a last-minute decision, and she barely made it to the Ford field in time. This was supposed to be basically the big moment where they reunite and have this home full, a heartfelt moment for Eosky. Like, we did it. We got it. Damage Control 1. And Dakota Kai is back, even though she has a torn injury. Again, 
And she's not the only one with a torn injury. Sonya Deville, who's also current one of the women's tag champs, is currently dealing with a torn ACL. Much to everyone's annoyance that the women's tag titles are forever cursed to injure people, and not like the cool curse where NXT's World Championship was more or less turning all the phases into heels for a time, or at least have heel tendencies. Remember when that was a creative thing they were going for, where they noticed, okay, how come every champion we've had in NXT so far turned into an insufferable jackass? Let's run with it. Whereas the women's tag titles have turned into we're gonna just injure people in the process for somehow in some way. Or, you know, cause backstage politics issues, but that's a different matter altogether. So yeah, now Chelsea Green is searching for a new tag partner because Sonya Deville is with a torn ACL, so sucks for that. And she's trying to break the curse, which come on, you can't break that. It, it, it like the only way you can break the curse is if you disband the tag team division and just make a secondary women's title. Like, that would make the most sense. In fact, that was what everyone, even Triple H, reportedly wanted. But Vince was like, no, I need a better idea than that because I'm Petty McMahon. So... Right before the uh, disbandment of the Usos, for pretty much the most part, uh, the Bloodline Civil War split happened and it led to a massive merch sales boost for the Usos, according to FIFA Select, and ever since the Usos have been selling incredibly well, you would think that they were sitting in second place on the merch charts. Also, one of the other top sellers on the merchandise sales is LA Knight. Yeah! And I'm just that guy sitting here, it's like, can you just give LA Knight Seth Rollins this title? I mean, like, we know he's not going to be the one to dethrone Roman, but it still would be pretty cool if he had the world title around his waist. In fact, you have a storyline baked in and do something different for the main roster shows, for Raw especially, instead of having Seth Rollins be the winner every single time when he's defending a title. How about you have LA Knight defeat Seth Rollins, then Damian Priest takes the title off of him with the cash-in, and then we can build to a Royal Rumble match between the two, and LA Knight gets his win back, wins the title and then we get back to Wrestlemania and have a tried and true storyline for him to close out the show on night one or be the opening night since the, I'll get to that in a moment but um yeah that was my th thought process like you have a chance to do something radically different with with the world title division in on Monday Night Raw and you probably won't do it but come on let, let's be real LA Knight has earned this opportunity he even got a meteorologist on, on a weather weather channel to go ahead and start quoting him on TV and he even acknowledges yeah I, I'm taking tidbits from LA Knight yeah so that shows you how over he is and he wants to wait it out and by wait it out I'm going to make the assumption that they're going to wait it out until he's no longer over because he's not over the way they wanted They he's over because he is over and they're waiting to cool him down probably but um, heading into SummerSlam, it was reported that the Pirate Princess is planning to rejoin the company after leaving after all this time. Kyrie Sane is going to make her sensational return to WWE in a few months, probably after September. Meltzer, take it with a grain of salt, said that it could be November. She's got two more dates in Japan. I think she's scheduled for She's coming back, but it won't be for a little bit. And when I heard this, I was like, okay, um, I'm ex uh, okay, Kyrie Sane, I want my EO Sky Asuka match or a faction with those three, damn it. 
and plus uh, Kyrie Sane coming back. That, that's going to be awesome. Like, she is a great talent, and I wanted to get Asuka and, 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 and Kyrie Sane a fight. That, that would be a first-time ever match, which surprises me at the fact that no one in Japan's promotions knew anything about that, saying, wait, we have Kyrie Sane, we have Asuka? Why didn't we do anything with this? Now WWE gets to take the credit. And then WWE never took the credit, even though they could have done it, and they, even though they had an emotional plea for it. Oh, man, when I heard Kyrie Sane was back, I was on cloud nine. I was like, man, she was doing great in Japan, stardom and all that. And she was doing well fighting Sasha Banks, which was awesome. Man, <laughs> it would be so stupid if they did something stupid in her return. P.S. They did something stupid. There are rumblings of Nia Jax returning to WWE following Kyrie Sane's reports coming out. According to PW Insider... Nia Jax's return has been bouncing around backstage. She hasn't been seen backstage, but there have been sources know that they have heard her name being mentioned of late, and I'm just like... Vince, is this because of America and all that, and you need to defeat the Japanese because this is still World War II for you, even though you were born a little bit after the war ended? But you're under the influence of insanity of, of a bygone era? Like, that has to be it, right? Or, or is this part of the Bloodline stuff? All I know is, is that, look, I don't like Nia Jax. I felt like she burned, and plus, everyone seems to guess she also kind of blew a few whistles over WWE talent, uh, you know, um, going ahead and uh, paying for uh, doctor's notes to confirm they took the vaccine when they didn't, which is a pretty damning statement with nothing that followed up from that. Oh, and then she went ahead and said that this is on the level of the Ukraine war about our individual rights being suppressed because masks are evil now in a pandemic. I should be like yeah, you see my problem here? Unless she's, like, milled out from all that, which is hard to imagine, okay, but there's still the whole botching stuff she's known for. Like, I'm not going to say she botched Rhea Ripley's slam attack at the Rumble because reportedly Rhea popped her leg out and had to pop it back in at the beginning. So she wrestled for about 50 or so minutes throughout the entire Rumble with a damaged leg, which is saying a lot to her strength. And also because she's insane. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I was just like, hearing Nia Jax is like, okay, this just happens to come out after when Kyrie Sane's coming back. It sounds like they want to bring Nia back just so, I, I'm scared if they bring her back there for Kyrie Sane's first feud, it's going to be a revenge feud with Nia Jax because of the new, for the three, for that month period where Nia was botching three times in a row with Kyrie Sane and nearly killing her on two occasions and powerbombing her when she says she wasn't ready because Nia Jax is crazy. But just remember, it was Keith Lee that needed to be seasoned up, not Nia Jax when they told them when they told the people to go backstage and go back to the performance center for a little bit. I still am mad about that. So anyways, so SummerSlam was a super long show. Uh so, um, <laughs> SummerSlam lasted till past midnight, 
And apparently this was by design and it only went over slightly because of its original plan timings. Apparently most of the matches were supposed to be given 15 minutes, but some went over time and others went, were given long times. Specifically, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso was the longest match of the night because of course clocking at 36 minutes. And the less I talk about that match in my stagnus of insanity, let me just say this, the crowd was dead and they wrecked the entire rulings of the tribal combat match, but that's a different subject. So, it, it, yeah. Mm, man. It, it's just... Oh, God. So, yeah. That had all happened. And during SummerSlam, Roman Reigns was reportedly hurt in his, in his tribal combat match with Jey Uso. However, there are people that were doing their due diligence on Twitter and found out that it might happen when Jey Uso landed a suicide dive on Roman's back before he could get up properly. And... Ouch. It looked like that was the moment he got hurt. Plus, he, get, he did get cut open in the, in the arm, so that probably didn't help matters either. But it, it, it was, he may be a little bit out of action. He was on SmackDown and he did get beat up, but like, like kicked in the face. But um, considering Roman's on a part-time schedule, he'll probably be okay. However, in a recent interview with David LaGrasa on Busted Open Radio, WWE superstar LA Knight claimed he had given WWE an ultimatum when he ended upon his initial return to the company in 2021, saying this, When I first came back in 2021, I said, Look, here's the deal. If you feel like I'm not getting over after three months, get me out of here. That's how confident I was in that just short amount of time. And I was like, My God. So, yeah. When he got called up, uh... And he was a manager, and then they went back to give him the LA Knight persona because they thought he was too old. And I'm like, you're bullshitting me. You're, you're royally bullshitting right here with the whole, he might be too old to wrestle and whatnot. And I'm like, so why is Vince still here? In fact, why by that logic is Triple H still working backstage? Why, why are all these guys and gals still backstage who are like over 40? Why is Bruce Pritchard in creative? Why is Kevin Dunn still producing stuff? And camera cutting all over the place? Huh? If we're going with that logic that they're too old to wrestle even though you had Goldberg, Goldberg win world title after world title during a period of dark times. Seriously, I'm still mad. Revenge versus 17. It was right there. If COVID didn't happen, it was right there. You could have sold out an entire show just on that tagline. I am still bitter about that. And I'm pretty sure that will never go away. So, yeah. LA Knight is currently super over. So, congrats to him. Wardlow, however, has come out and revealed that he's open to reforming the Pinnacle without MJF during a uh, during Terrificon in 2023 via Fandom Spotlight. 
So he said this, dude, that would be so sweet for us all to get back here, live that pinnacle lifestyle and just throw it all in Max's face. Actually, no, I think I'm just going to call Pepsi Phil myself and see what he thinks about that. We all collectively love destroying MGF and his ego. If that, if there was a, we hate MJF faction, that would just be the entire roster. Damn. Well, MJF does seem to be mellowed out, so he might turn heel again or, you know, be like, do a surprise face turn dynamic with Adam Cole where Adam turns heel and MJF is a full-on face. But, uh, yeah. Oh, there's been an, there was also an update about the talent releases when the whole merger was set to be complete in September and cuts were expected. Uh, WWE goes ahead and says, oh, no, no, we're going to just fire practice stage personnel, not like having mass releases of talent that we don't like. Barbara Select know that they have sorted the numerous WWE talents that started over the past week and they have claimed they haven't heard anything about rumored cuts to take talent to talent throughout this year that was circulated by shoddy sources. Discussions of rumored releases also didn't penetrate backstage discord, but we know potential roster cuts weren't widely discussed. Let's hope they keep that attitude heading into September. Also, Jey Uso quit WWE, so naturally we must all go ahead and consider the idea that uh, Jey Uso will be all in in, in in near the end of August, even though that is completely another bullcrap. Seriously, I there were those who were kidding around with it and respect to them, but there were others who were taking this like super serious, like Jey Uso legit quit on TV, and I was like, dude, that wouldn't happen. They would do that backstage, and, and then they would gaslight them. But, yeah. This isn't the Stas and Naomi situation. And I am still trying to baffle my head around why the bloodline did not go ahead and be like, Hey, uh, Vince, um, do you want to explain what the hell we just saw backstage with, with our uh, family member Naomi getting pushed around and treated like garbage by you? You want to explain that? Also, what's this whole thing about how you feel like you can clone Sasha Banks? Like, you're thinking you could just make a new Sasha on the level that we had backstage with us who was on Star Wars and DDT Boba Fett. Like, like Sasha's not family, but she's friends with our family members. So uh, could you explain to us why that might not be a little problematic in the way you just feel like you could just clone a Sasha Banks and people will try and probably push a racist card on you, Vince, even though you kind of clearly are at times with how you don't seem to like the Japanese a lot. But that's a completely different subject. So anyways, Jey Uso and Jimmy Uso may not even be happening this year. Interesting segue, isn't it? So, according to WrestleVotes, uh, <laughs> there's apparently a creative force that wants WWE to delay Jimmy and Jey Uso having a match until WrestleMania 40. It's considered unlikely as WrestleMania is eight months away, and we kind of booked book the split in, in August and might have a match at Payback with Rikishi involved. Damn. Also, uh, on AEW Collision during the uh, big main event uh, between CM Punk and Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks got pissed off at Ricky Steamboat and beat the living crap out of him. And guess what came out about that? According to the Ringers' Cameron Hawkins, a House of Wrestling podcast, 
There was a note that in the original finish, Ricky Steamboat was gonna chop Starks and that was gonna be it. Ricky Steamboat pulls Rick and Punk into a room and then tells them the, fin them the finish that we saw and hey, you know, when when we're to bring me on, it brought Rick to tears because he appreciated it so much. So salute to Ricky Steamboat for making a good thing, a great thing. Yeah, apparently the plan was originally that Ricky Steamboat, you know, beats the living hell out of Ricky Starks, but yeah, Ricky Steamboat said, okay, Ricky, um, okay, this is kind of confusing. We both have the same first name, but like, Starks, uh, could you, now I'm thinking Iron Man, Ricky Starks, can you beat the living hell out of me on collision to generate heat for you? <laughs> Props to Ricky Stark. Props to Ricky Starks and Steamboat for that. The fact that Ricky Steamboat asked to be beaten down by Ricky Starks just to help that kid go get over in a huge way. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. Plus, he did come out of retirement back in December to team of FDR to defeat the, the combined alliance of Brock Anderson, Jay Lethal, and Nick Aldis. And I'm just that guy that's singing in the background. It's like, God damn it, Ricky Steamboat, will you stop? Though luckily you said no to Ric Flair after the whole pace of making was revealed. So, um, yeah, that had happened. So props to Ricky Steamboat for giving Ricky Starks that major boost. And Natalia wants to form an all-female faction. She, since there is a faction renaissance going on in WWE for now with the Bloodline, the Judgment Day, Imperium, the, the LWO, and partially damage control. So Natalia naturally wants to form a new faction. She wants to form a new faction to have Roxine Perez, Cora J, Tiffy Stratton, and JC Jane. Saying that they would be great ideas for a faction, and I would like all those girls in the faction with me. The first ever all female faction. <laughs> uh, the damage control does not exist, or Team Bad just do not exist. I like if you said the biggest faction, then okay, fine. But there was clearly female, all female factions. Yeah, uh, man, Talia. I'm like, you know, at least it would make you do something interesting. I'm like, people just don't seem to care about Natalia nowadays. Like, she's a good talent, but, like, she doesn't have a good character for a lot of people. I think the last time I was any interested in Natalia was when she was fighting the living hell out of Nikki Bella. And that was only because we didn't like Nikki Bella at the time. A lot. In fact, no one liked the Bella Twins a lot of times. Like, some did, but, like, let's be real. <laughs> A lot of people didn't. So, there was also an update on NXT Europe. Remember that plan to encompass all of Europe after they just went ahead and mutilated the UK scene and now their plan was to mutilate the entire European scene of wrestling? Well, nothing came out from that, has it? It's just been MIA. Well, according to a report from PW Insider and back at the Money in the Bank post press conference, Triple H revealed that in July the plans for the brand had been delayed due to the pending merger of WWE and UFC, calling for original plans that were set to launch at the end of 2023, but now PW Insider has an update saying that there will now be a moving forward until early 2024, which is probably between January and April. Not, that's my guess. The, the company has been putting plans together for a new European brand. They reportedly have ideas for which, for which challenges coaches will be involved. 
one name to be mentioned as a coach, Shia Samuels, who previously performed in NXT UK and had a guest coaching stint as the Performance Center earlier this year. They also plan to open their own WWE Europe Performance Center following the launch of NXT Europe. And the company previously had a Performance Center for NXT UK in Einfield, London, but the expectation is the new facility won't be located in the UK's capital. Socking. So, uh, where will they be launched at? Germany? I would say Poland, but considering the current state of the world, I think that would be the bad idea. Plus, Poland's been on the receiving end of what's been going on in in uh, the in between the two countries, and they've gotten the short end of the stick to their frustration on two occasions. And in one instance, two people died. Yeah. So Germany, France. Italy? I'm like, I'd be all for Italy. So, yeah, all that had happened, and Impact Wrestling is also going to... Impact Wrestling, meanwhile, has has revealed that there was a talent that one of the feature performers was planning to retire in 2022. However, uh, things changed. After Cleo him and Ace Austin, uh, Austin winning the tag team titles were shared, Chris Bay revealed that moments shaped his pro wrestling career, but Bay Lever that he considered retiring from the sport back in 2022, saying, yes, I was considering retiring from the sport. I lost my heart and soul throughout 2020 to 2022. It was a struggle to get it back. Resigning with Impact was a decision that I felt would truly bring back my passion, and I'm proud to say that it's done, that it has, it has done that. Oh man, I'm glad for that. In fact, I, I kind of been wanting to see if Chris Bay will become world champion down the road in, in Impact. Plus, he did join Bullet Club and got the blessing of Jay Whitehall. I wonder, you know, now that I think about it, maybe they should bring that back for the branch because since Bullet Club Gold's currently still getting over and Impact does sort of sometimes have a deal with AEW at times, I, I would love to see the two get back together on that and have Chris Bay show up on Collision to help out Jay Whitehall and, you know, get more exposure for him and Impact. That'd be awesome. Come on, do it. I'm like, like AEW gave Impact a ton of publicity with the whole world title being shown around and Doc Allison and Carl Anderson. Even though we kind of wished for more talent to show up there, I kind of wished more Impact wrestlers beyond those two showed up there. Like there were plenty of opportunities to do so. So anyways, WWE got sued again. And it was said to be a bizarre one because um, PW Insider noted that a lawsuit was filed on June 30th against WWE and the executive chairman before the United States District Court of Western District of Pennsylvania by Dana W. Whiteley, who has alleged breach of contract and failed to reimburse $5,500 down a payment hangout, what app email contract to personal family with World Wrestling Entertainment employee Alexa Bliss. The, the handwritten lawsuit was also claimed Vince McMahon breached an agreement for Wiley to become a WWE employee on a $70,000 per month contract. And he also alleges discrimination on the part of McMahon after Wiley was arrested and charged for attempted homicide, aggravated assault across Newcastle and Pennsylvania law enforcement on December 10th, 20, December 22nd, uh, October 22nd, 2022, or the U.S. Secret Service and Pennsylvania police troops said, what the hell? What the hell happened? Uh, apparently, this is not the first time they've, they've like attempted to sue. But, um... 
apparently seeking six million dollars in the reimbursement of his legal fees. Vince McMahon have not and Dudley have not been served with the lawsuit yet. And apparently, this is not the first time he's attempted to sue the giant McMahon. His pre and he previously filed a lawsuit against McMahon with members of the DX and the NWO, claiming he signed a fair use contract for those factions' trademarks back in 1995, but that had been ignored for 20 years. The lawsuit was then dismissed. Okay, that was just completely random. Oh, and because Full Gear is set to have uh, their review on a Saturday, they had to move Collision a little bit back. So, Firefly Select Press reported that AEW planned to hold Full Gear on Saturday, November 18th at the Kia Forum, Los Angeles, California. Even when airing periods on the west coast of the United States, AEW saw kicked off the show's 8pm and Collision will have to be moved. It's currently unclear what adjustments AEW will make to that TV sh week's show, however. So, yeah. They had discussed holding Full Gear on Sunday, November 19th, before the decision was made to stick to Saturday. Even with the, even the consideration of moving Full Gear to a Sunday, that's some surprise within AEW at the Jacksonville Jaguars having an NFL home game at the Tennessee Titans that day. And AEW have avoided competing with American football due to Tony Khan's position as an NFL owner. As been typical, AEW will hope a new edition of Dynamite close to Full Gear venue. The Go Home Dynamite will be taped in Ontario, California. And last but not least, uh, AEW has made another landmark. Yep, another landmark's been made for all in. So, finally, after months of wild speculation, mostly those who've lost their absolute collective shits, uh, and those who have made legitimate arguments about why it wouldn't be possible because the UK government has completely failed its citizens with the cost of living crisis, but I've only seen like a few people bring that up, and the reality is, they, if they had used that argument, I would have totally understood, but there were others who were like, WWE is superior, and tribalism nonsense, that makes me sick to my stomach. AEW has currently distributed 80,000 tickets. According to WrestleTick uh, on Twitter, it has an officially distributed 80,000 ticks with only a resale of nearly 2,000. They have reached a thick K cross, surpassing the the iconic 1992 European wrestling event of, of the UK of SummerSlam 1992 of 39,127. And that's pretty damn awesome. And the next record they are chasing is the 80,709 set by WWE's WrestleMania 32 at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. And others were pointing out that, no, that's not the world record. The world record is WCW in Korea. And I'm like, you're giving North Korea the benefit just so you can hate AEW. Okay, yeah, 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 just so we're fucking clear. Ignoring that... Ignoring the context surrounding Collision in Korea, specifically how Korea's government, North Korea's government forces citizens to attend or be killed. Um, AEW, and ignoring WrestleMania 32 part context, how WrestleMania 32 said, oh, dude, we had over 100,000 people in attendance. Well, that was the inflated number because, of course, they would do that. In fact, wrestling has done wrestling companies do that a lot. But yeah, the real number is said to be 80,709 by WrestleMania 32. And now 
we get to make the argument that all in has a chance to fully surpass it and therefore all hell will break loose in ways you could never imagine. The travelers will go insane, the AEW travelers will cheer and go crazy, and we will witness AEW WWE Travelism Warfare number 645, probably more by the end of the year, especially since October 10th is going to be AEW on Tuesday night, and that's going to lead to a night where I have to disappear from social media for a good hour or two. Luckily, I'll be at work, so I'll be safe. But yeah, we will see AEW make history. It will bring an all-in moment of pure awesomeness, damn it. And if they do not, I will be severely disappointed and I will tweet my displeasure, damn it. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah, it's nice to do this podcast again. Oh God, this was funny. Oh man. I'll be back again hopefully soon, but I'm focusing on my other stuff at the moment. I'm hoping to do more, and I'm really, really am sorry for the massive gap in time. Uh, life is just a priority and an all-hectic one. Sorry about that, everybody. But but I'll see you all again down the road, and I'll see you all soon. Take care, have a good day, and peace to you and all. And also, today is my birthday, so I'm 28 years old. I'm old. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Have a good night.